4: What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the City of Angels. We got a chance to see, uh Shay Gilgis Alexander, who the Clippers believe are the top point guard from last year's NBA draft. Clips debuted their preseason slate last night. Lakers playing game two at Staples in the preseason. LeBron James era will continue to react to the GM poll. We get Thursday night football, a uh, rivalry renewed, sort of. T. Y. Hilton probably doesn't play. The Colts have no running game, but Andrew Luck's back. It's the same organization that thought they were getting uh, the the Patriots' offensive coordinator as their head coach until he went all uh, he went all Bobby Kremen's on them and changed changed his mind. He went all Greg, actually Greg Marshall changed his mind once. He went all Dana Altman changed. Remember Dana Altman was the, was the Arkansas head coach for like a week. And he's like, dude, I'm getting back to Creighton. So it has happened before, but it hadn't happened in the NFL. We will discuss what took, we'll discuss what took place uh, and how it shapes tonight's game. And oh yeah, by the way, the Colts are the NFL narcs on the Patriots. Remember that? You deflated your footballs. Then they filled them up with air and kicked the hell out of them. That did, in fact, happen. Gate was after the AFC championship game against said Indianapolis Colts. Lot and Julian Edelman. No needles this time. We'll come back and play for the Patriots that are sitting out four games for PEDs. And then we have Red Sox-Yankees. I, I will get to the Red Sox-Yankees. Arrival renewed, sort of. Hadn't played in the playoffs since the greatest comeback in the history of sports, 2004. Man, was that amazing. But we'd be remiss if we tried to act like it was the exact same thing. Oh, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, no, they've won two World Series since then. So 14 years ago, these teams met. A lot has changed. But still, it's the best rivalry in the sport and two of the best teams in the sport. And while why last night's game was over almost before it started against the Oakland A's. But speaking of Oakland, I want to get to John Gruden. John Gruden continued to wage war with his own front office, or did he? If you read Twitter, if you read the reactions of many of my media cohorts, if you watch sports on TV, you might be appalled at what John Gruden had to say. About Derwin James and why the Raiders chose to pass on Derwin James. Quote, We want to take Derwin James. Everybody wanted Der- Derwin James. But he said, however, pointed out the obstacle entering the 2018 draft was that the Raiders previously used a first round pick on Carl Joseph in 2016 and a second round pick on safety Obi Milefoyou in 2017. Quote, he's an intimidating player. He's a physical presence. I think he's got range to play deep. He's got great coverage ability. He can run through you. He can run around you. He can run right over you. He's a dynamite young player. He'll be one of the building blocks in L.A. for a long time for the Chargers. Derwin James, by the way, three sacks already on the season, leading all defensive backs in the National Football League. And he's got at least one. He has two picks. I think he's had two picks on the year. Derwin James is the real deal. It should be pointed out that the Chargers feel the exact same way about Pat Mahomes that the Raiders feel that the Raiders feel about Derwin James. They really liked Pat Mahomes. And of course, the Chiefs ended up trading up to 10 to get Pat Mahomes, but they really, really liked him and instead took Forrest Lamp, who got hurt and is now a backup waiting for his chance. I love Lamp. Anchorman loves Lamp, right? Ron Burgundy. I love lamp, but Pat Mahomes appears to be a superstar at the most important position, in the NFL and the Chargers are are still searching for the replacement for Philip Rivers. Whenever PR decides to sit it down. But what happens when John Gruden speaks the truth and gives context to why, hey, if you like Derwin James, why don't you take Derwin James? Why'd you take an offensive lineman? Uh, Derwin James leads the Chargers defense and tackles at 26, sacks at three, passes defense at six. Why'd they take an offensive lineman if you like Derwin James? You would love Derwin James so much. This must be a shot at Reggie McKenzie. That's what it is. Must be a shot at Reggie McKenzie. And of course, when you go back to when they traded Khalil Mack, and he talked about how Khalil Mack was great a couple of years ago when they made the playoffs, but the rest of the defense wasn't. That had to be a shot at Reggie McKenzie. Now, I'm not saying that Reggie McKenzie and John Gruden aren't ultimately going to part company at the end of this year. I think that's logical. Logical. Gruden has been given carte blanche, a 10 year, $100 million, or somewhere in the neighborhood contract to fix the Raiders. They were fixed before, and he walked into a camp of guys that he didn't draft with front office guys that he didn't previously work with. No one rolls that way in the sport. Anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. Normally, general managers want to hire their coach. In this case, the owner hired the coach, which means the coach will hire the general manager. Just hasn't happened yet. But somehow John Gruden has become Donald Trump. Excuse me, president Trump. No, I, I have not talking about there's video of him on a bus over a decade ago no they both have bizarre hairstyles there is that there is that right uh, and and they both kind of have an orangish hue um, but that's kind of where it ends in terms of the comparison what i mean by that is anytime the president says anything at a press conference or a pep rally or he tweets it out it's take it's taken as defamation of somebody else's character. We just run with it. When the reality of what John Gruden is saying is, hey, look, I like Derwin James. Thought he's great. You know, I lived in South Florida. Of course, I saw Florida State play. I evaluated for the NFL draft for a decade for ESPN. Of course, I like Derwin James. But we just drafted two defensive backs the last two years. Hey, those guys are under contracts. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to simply go by your board when you have so many other needs on a team that won six games. Now, maybe he could have contextualized it a little bit better, or maybe we just have the inability to listen. I'm not going to sit here and defend everything the president has said or done, but I will say that everything that he says and things that he does aren't always to defame somebody else's character aren't always a way of trolling somebody on Twitter or trolling somebody in the media. Some of that does, in fact, happen. Our massive overreaction. Man, if he did, did in fact, say, as uh, was it Mike Silver, that who, who wrote about it, Mike Silver wrote about it earlier this week. If he did, in fact, say, Are you kidding me, Khalil Mack had another strip sack. That, that doesn't mean that he made a mistake He knew Khalil Mack was awesome. None of this is surprising. He said, I mean, they said, hey, two first round picks and people laughed at the Raiders for wanting two first round picks for a guy that you had to give the biggest contract in the history of the sport for his position to. And you know what he got? Two first round picks. When he said it's really hard to find rush linebackers, rush defensive ends People took it and ran with it. They didn't listen to the full context of the quote in which he said, hey, it's tough, it's tough to find because of the way college football is taught, is coached, and played in the offensive side of the ball. Guys can't get home, they get rid of it way too quickly. We got to reteach offensive linemen, we've got to reteach linebackers, and we got a couple guys we're working with, and we're still trying to find defensive line help. Everybody in the NFL, outside of the Bears and a couple other teams, is trying to find defensive line help. You're either trying to find a quarterback you're trying to find a defensive lineman, or you're trying to fix an uh, offensive line. But the Patriots don't have great pass rushers. Patriots trade away Brandon Cooks. And now they lack speed in the offense. None of these teams that trade away these players think the players stink. They're just trying to balance out how good a guy is with how much money he makes and how they can fit it around a team concept. But for whatever reason, I, I know what the reason is. I mean, I know what the reason is the reason that we overreact to Trump stuff is this is not the way in which A president has ever carried himself ever, ever. It's not the things he says and does. It's the way he says them, the way he does them. We just haven't had that kind of d- decorum from the leader of the free world. We've had this type of honesty from coaches before. We've even had infighting between coaches and general managers before. The difference is, you know how much money John Gruden makes and that's making people go crazy. None of us have any idea truly how much Bill Belichick makes. I mean, that's really the same thing with Jim Harbaugh. Oh, Harbaugh makes the third most of any coach. I heard Clay Travis. He's so overpaid. Clay Travis is not dumb, but it's a really, really dumb statement. It's really, it's lost on how business actually works. Because the only way to get Jim Harbaugh to not coach in the NFL was to pay him NFL money. The only way to get John Gruden to come back from a lifetime appointment as Monday Night Football's color analyst was to pay him crazy money. John Madden did it for 30 years. And John Madden occasionally would be ru- rumored to go after a job. And John Gruden was John Gruden was in the same thing. Remember, Cowboys might hire him. Hell, the Cowboys hired a bunch of his, uh, his assistant coaches thinking – a couple years ago before the Cowboys had that thirteen win season. If things didn't work out, they were gonna go hire Gruden. Tennessee tried, other people have tried. The only way to get a guy who makes FU money is to up the FU money. To give it's the old it's the godfather. Make him an offer he can't refuse. Sean Connery once played an imaginary dragon. Right? Sir Sean Connery. What? You want me to play what for how much I'll be there tomorrow, right? That's the way it works. So you can be mad, but you don't allow You're not allowing the context of the situation to determine what somebody's salary is. What do they make? How do we get them to turn down what they make, their happiness, uproot them, their whole family and get them to our place? You know, you have made up your mind that John Gruden somehow is some is massively overpaid because you you have no idea what other coaches make. You have no idea the structure of the deal. You don't understand that the salary cap does not apply to coaches. You don't realize that part of this is done because they're moving to Vegas and Vegas needs a name head coach to sell those private seat licenses on. And he had a lifetime appointment gig. So instead of overreacting to the possibility that a guy who nearly took the Raiders to the Super Bowl and made them relevant last time around and did win a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was was incredibly well-regarded as a great football guy and, yeah, you probably had to overpay to get him. That's what you got to do. Oh, the Angels shouldn't have paid Albert Pujols million to come over from St. Louis. You you had to. He off got offered more money by the, by the Marlins, but they're the Marlins. This is the way business works. So instead of reacting to what reacting to what he's saying, thinking it, it, it doesn't bode well for Reggie McKenzie, it might not. Instead of reacting to it or overreacting because of how much money he makes. He's right. You can love Derwin James, but I didn't need another Derwin James. By the way, he just lost Donald Penn, his starting left tackle. Lo and behold, he drafted an offensive lineman in the first round. Maybe he knows a little bit something about what he's doing. All right, coming up next, I'll get uh, NFL insider Ed Werder's thoughts on Gruden, how how the moves that he's making, made and the things that he said have been received around the league. Plus, T.Y. Hilton going to play tonight? Feels like the Colts might wave the white flag, as opposed to the Patriots, who have their best, if Gronk plays, and he's expected to play, if Gronk plays, they seem to have their fullest roster they've had to date. We'll get you ready for Thursday Night Football upcoming next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This program brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Last year, over 3 million drivers switched to Progressive. Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit Progressive.com today and find out if you could save.
4: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I hadn't seen a game of that magnitude, over that soon, since the Super Bowl between the Broncos and the Seahawks. I'll tell you what I'm talking about upcoming in about 15 minutes. Let's check in with Ed Werder, who joins us every week. He's an NFL insider, has been for most of his professional life. You can follow him on Twitter at EdWerderRFA rfa and check out his Doomsday podcast. He joins us here as we're hours away from Thursday night football. Let me ask you first, Ed, about tonight. The Colts, are they, they make no bones about it. They're throwing every time. I think Andrew Luck dropped back 66 times. He actually threw the ball 62 times. But uh, it appears as though T.Y. Hilton's not going to play. How healthy are the Colts heading into Thursday Night Football?
6: Uh, not very healthy. In fact, uh, T.Y. Hilton is out of the game, and he's only missed two games in his seven-year career. So uh, this is going to be a daunting challenge for a team with a you know, a bunch of young running backs. They don't have much of a, uh, a run game. They're going to get back uh, Robert Turbin, a veteran uh, who we associate mostly with the time he spent in Seattle, was also in Dallas briefly. Uh, but they've really struggled to run the ball. They're only averaging 3.6 yards a carry, 26 in the NFL. But at least now they have an experienced back, and you got to think that uh, they're going to have to throw to the back some tonight in the game. So having that veteran in there could help them some, but uh, this still appears to be a decided mismatch.
4: Yes. And they, they should have tied the Texans, right? That, I mean, that's what should have happened. And considering they, you know, you go back a couple months ago and Andrew Luck hadn't thrown a football and they had a first time head coach and their roster, you go back a year ago was maybe the worst in the national football league. They got to feel pretty good about where they are considering where they've been. Correct.
6: Well, I, I think the thing that's reassuring to them is they went into last week's game and, and because everybody surmised uh, you know, and tried to protect Andrew Luck's shoulder coming off that surgery, he had the lowest uh, average per attempt in the league going into that game. And as you mentioned, he came out of it 62 pass attempts, 464 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, threw a Hail Mary uh, at the end of the half. So he did everything but win the game. Uh, In fact, he became the second player in NFL history to lose with 450 passing yards, four TDs, and no interceptions. So uh, it was really more on uh, the Colts' defense to a certain extent, but they were also put in a lot of bad situations. You know, Luck uh, was tackled and gave up the ball in the end zone for a Jadavion Clowney touchdown. Uh, They lost another fumble on their own seven-yard line, and of course then they gave up the decisive three points when Frank Reich elected to go for it in a situation where I think uh, almost nobody would have. Uh, But one of his mentors, Doug Peterson, might have and He won the Super Bowl with that kind of attack mentality last year.
4: How's that received run the league? Like, I know players come out like, oh, I I love that he went for it. Uh, My reaction is like, look, it's fourth and four. It's not like it's fourth and inches. And if you get the first down, you don't win the game. It's not like... Let the Patriots have gone for it on fourth down when they have the ball instead of punting, thinking we get one first down, we get one more yard, we win the game. It, they still would have had to complete at least two more passes in those twenty some odd sexes, seconds, and then make a field goal, albeit an indoor field goal. Um, so it wasn't a locked up cinch. I think it was a out. I think it saved the Texans' season. Otherwise, they're o three and one. How's yeah. it being received around the league?
6: Well, you know, I mean, you make a good point there. I, I think it's it's always viewed through the lens of success and failure. I mean, Mike Vrabel uh, with the Titans, a first-year head coach, uh, went for it in, in overtime and on, what, third and fifth, fourth and 15, instead of trying a 50-yard field goal. And Marcus Mariota made the play, and they wind up winning the game uh, on a touchdown. So uh, that was a bigger gamble, I think, than the one Frank Reich took. And uh, Reich's been criticized, and Vrabel hailed as a genius. So it all depends really on, on how it turns out.
4: Edward, are joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. What about the Patriots? Um, Rob Gronkowski says it says he's going to try and play. What's the likelihood he does play?
6: Yeah, you know, what's interesting about this game, Doug, is it's the first time that the Colts have been back to Foxborough since the 2014 AFC Championship game. And we all know what that game was remembered for. The deflate gate allegations began from there. Um, and the other interesting part of the game, I think, for for Tom Brady, who's really struggled in the passing game. You know, last week they got Josh Gordon on the field and got him involved, uh, and now he's got not only Gronk, uh, not completely healthy, but uh, he's on the field. As is Julian Edelman, who's so important to them in their offense, uh, out of the slot and, and able to go out wide, a guy who gets open early in his routes. So. Uh, Brady didn't have to take a lot of hits to try to get him the football, and this is the first time that Gronk and Edelman have played together in nearly two full seasons, yep. so uh, I think we should, do, from this point forward, start to see the Patriots uh, perform better on offense, and and obviously they're 2-2, two two, but they've been in this position many times before. Uh, and have gone on to to win Super Bowl. so uh, I think the Patriots got kind of to feel good about the direction they're headed.
4: Raiders have a virtual home game; they're playing in In Carson against the Chargers. If you if you're not familiar with Los Angeles, uh, that area of LA is Raiders Central, and so uh, that, in addition to the fact that Chargers fans, frankly, want to stay as as far away from Raider fans as possible, I'm guessing it's like 90 percent silver and black. Still, the Chargers a better team, albeit just uh, one win better on the resume at two and two. In, in, in this season. And John Gruden, once again, uh, <laughs> at least saying something that can mildly be taken as a shot across the bow yeah. at, at his general manager. Now, look, when, when I read it, when I read it, it's, he says like, look, we took a, we took a safety both the past two years, no matter how much I love Derwin James, we can't take a safety this year. Um, so I, I think he was providing context to why, if he liked Derwin James so much, he didn't take Derwin James Am, am I am I being way too kind? Is is he simply going after Reggie?
6: Well, I mean, this on top of uh, some of the other comments that he made, you know, during the time Khalil Mack was being traded, uh, it, it just doesn't look like there's a lot of synergy between the head coach and the general manager that he acquired when he took the head coaching position with the Raiders again. And, I mean, there were many ways that John Gruden could have expressed his appreciation for Derwin James and... His expectation that he was going to be a unique defensive player in the NFL without, uh, you know, going into reasons why the Raiders didn't draft him then. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a bad look for, for, uh, for Gruden, and it probably pretends uh, to a, a bad end of, the, of Reggie McKenzie's career as a general manager as soon as the season's over.
4: Ed Werder joining us on The Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio it didn't take long for Ryan Fitzpatrick to lose that gig in Tampa. They kind of let nature take its course, if you will. And it happened, uh, it happened really in, in one half, some of it his fault, but a lot of it, not his fault. How has that move been received uh, by everyone else in the Tampa organization?
6: Well, I think because Dirk Cutter allowed it to happen organically. um, I think it's what everybody knew was an eventuality and the timing of it was the unknown. And, you know they're getting blown out in Chicago, and Fitzpatrick is playing poorly for the for the second time in two weeks. He had the really bad first half against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where he turned he threw interceptions on three consecutive possessions uh, and allowed the Steelers a, a twenty point halftime lead before leading a comeback. Uh, I, I don't think anybody is surprised that the franchise is committed long term to Jameis Winston, and that you know it's like like Dirk Cutters. He knows that if he's going to be the head coach in the bot. In the Bucks organization, for any length of time, it's going to be because not of what Ryan Fitzpatrick does; it's going to be because of what Jameis Winston's able to do at the quarterback position. And uh, you know, you look at at Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he he did his job. He was a backup quarterback. Uh, he was faced with making th- three expected starts while Winston was suspended. Played one, two of them. Played so well, he deserved a third. Uh, and now it's Winston's turn to do the job that he was brought in to do.
4: Edwarder joining us. Ed, the Dallas Cowboys seem to need more help at wide receiver. They found a way to get Ezekiel Elliott the ball, both uh, handing it off to him and throwing it to him out of the backfield. They fed him till he burped last week and got a got a much needed home win over the Detroit Lions. And suddenly now, Des Bryant tweets out, "Man, I'd I'd love to play for the Dallas Cowboys first, but I'll go play for somebody else." And Jason Garrett says something nice along the lines of, "Like, hey, we really like Des, but we're we're focused on the guys we have here." give me percentage chance that the Dallas Cowboys go back down the Des Bryant road.
6: Well, and I think the other thing that uh, Jason Garrett said that really exposed what they truly think of Des Bryant was he said he was a great player at the receiver position. He didn't say he is a great player at the receiver position. Uh, I think that Des has a genuine love of the organization and would dearly love to come back and, uh, play for the Cowboys again. I think he's willing to put um, uh, everything aside in terms of their, their their recent past. And you know, he he made some very unflattering allegations uh, that I think preclude him from ever going back into the Cowboys locker room. He called uh, Sean Lee a snake. Yep. Uh, he 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 criticized Jason Garrett um, and Scott Linehan for their conservative play calling, and he and he didn't just do it. In an emotional moment where he was released, and understandably, he's angry about being released at all, but particularly when it happened, it was a month into free agency. So most teams had already spent, you know all of the significant money that they were going to high profile players. And so he was clearly disadvantaged by the timing of the of the decision. and uh, but beyond that, even when they were losing their season opener, Uh, against Carolina, he was live tweeting and and sort of trolling them the entire game. So uh, I don't think he's done himself any favors uh, with how he's handled it uh, on social media. I have to say that I understood what they were doing. He hadn't lived up to his contract. He wasn't an elite player anymore. He was still being paid that way. Uh, But I really thought that some of these guys that they brought in or somebody they drafted could perform – to the level that Dez did sort of the last three years when he wasn't uh, producing huge numbers anymore. Uh, But that hasn't proven to be true. And so I think Jerry Jones was greatly reluctant to to make this move with Dez, to let him go. Uh, So I could certainly see Jerry being tempted uh, and willing to bring him back. And I think it's a matter of people like Garrett and uh, Will McClay and Stephen Jones prevailing upon Jerry not to go in that direction again I think it's highly unlikely but because of Jerry's involvement and his love of Dez, I wouldn't completely rule it out
4: wouldn't completely rule it out fascinating Aaron Rodgers had some less than flattering comments about the game planning and play calling and I think he's been a little bit frustrated with some of his young wide receivers how how, how bad are the, are the issues in Green Bay well, you know,
6: Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers have been together for 13 years, with Rodgers being the starting quarterback for the last 10 of those. And there have certainly been times when uh, tensions existed between the two of them. Uh, for example, I know Rodgers was displeased a few years ago when McCarthy took over the play calling from Tom Clemens, uh who was someone that Rodgers really valued. Um, and and again, you know, they win the game the other day, 22 to nothing. And Rogers is talking about it as a championship-level performance on defense, but not on offense. Um, and I think it, it, it's worth pointing out that, as much as he complained about the fact that Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham should have been more involved uh, in the game plan, uh, you know, Rogers does have a voice, and always has been allowed to have a voice in uh, in their game plans week to week by McCarthy. Uh, and so I think some of this is probably the result of. Rodgers being injured and not being a part of practice. Uh, since he got hurt in week one, he's been there on a limited basis and really has only practiced on the days before games. Uh, so, so I think that's part of it. Uh, and I think they need to put all of that aside going forward because right now Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, and Devontae Adams are all on the injury report, uh, which makes means the Packers could have to play with the only three healthy wideouts they have on the roster And those are all rookies that they drafted this year, and they've combined for two catches and 41 yards.
4: Ed Werder, incredible insight and information. He's been doing it for uh, more than a quarter century. Ed Werder, NFL insider at Ed Werder RFA, or check out his Doomsday podcast. or listen to him as he joins us weekly on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Can't wait for Thursday Night Football, especially after all the info you gave us, Ed. Appreciate you being our guest.
6: Thanks, Doug, for having me. I look forward to next week as
7: well.
4: Pleasure is all ours. Let's get to Dan Fire. Who rejoins us today? What do you got, Dan?
7: Back in the saddle, Doug, getting ready for week five, as you said. Rob Gronkowski expected to go for the Patriots tonight against the Colts. You'll see it at 7 30 Eastern Time on Fox. Some good news for the Atlanta Falcons. They've got a date with the Steelers coming up this Sunday. Falcons running back Devontae Freeman expected to come back from his knee injury. Ravens have the Browns. Running back Alex Collins didn't take part in practice today. He's got a knee injury. Bengals and Dolphins coming up on Sunday. Cincinnati running back Joe Mixon on the practice field today for the second time straight day trying to return from his knee injury. Packers could be a bit shorthanded when they face the Lions coming up on Sunday. Wide receivers Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison missed practice today because of injuries. The Vegas Golden Knights take on the Philadelphia Flyers at 10 o'clock Eastern time in tonight's Discover Card key matchup. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member, and the Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Doug, less than two hours away from the start of Game 1 of the NLDS, Rockies and Brewers from Milwaukee. You'll see it on Fox Sports 1. Antonio Senzatella takes on Brandon Woodruff tonight in Los Angeles. Antonio
4: Senzatella's going to take on the Rockies (laughs)
7: tonight.
4: He's a good kid. Kyle, okay, I want you all to throw your support for Antonio and his family.
7: Uh, Dodgers and Braves in L.A., 8.37 Eastern time in their game one of the National League Divisional Series. Mike fulton pitches for the Braves, Hunjun Rio on the mound for the Dodgers.
4: Brandon Woodruff's going. Uh,
7: isn't Brandon Woodruff going tonight? Yes, he is. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe he'll have a Severino sort of start, but uh, maybe three innings tonight, three or four innings for the Brewers uh, in their matchup against the Rockies,
4: yeah, that was the crazy thing about Severino is everybody's like, "Oh, well, the the A's are doing the uh, well, they're not going to have a starter; they're going to have an opener." Like Severino only lasted four innings. It wasn't like he was going eight, you know, a hundred pitches, and then all of a sudden go to the pen. And, and 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 is it just me or do you miss Enter Sandman number forty-two coming out of the Yankees? I know it's been a couple years since he pitched for the Yankees. I know they've been, uh, you know that 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 ship has sailed, but it was like, it was one of the things you could count on. I like the sun rising in the East and setting the West and Mario Rivera. Oh, one, two, three, good night, drive home safely and throwing just one pitch. Yankees don't feel like the Yankees when you don't have 42, forget about number two at at shortstop. Don't have 42 coming out of the pen. It is different. I'll tell you why last night's wildcard game reminded me of Super Bowl 48. Plus, we'll play a game. That's upcoming next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
4: Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio you guys remember Super Bowl 48 where you were New York city. Um, I was, uh, at the time I was broadcasting for CBS and you know, that, that week was crazy because radio row was in a ballroom in New York city. Everything was super tight, super condensed, but people were shouting at me that I was an idiot because I said, I think we're looking at this game all wrong. Seahawks are going to win the game. And it's not going to be close. And I said it from, Monday up until Saturday, we did a special Saturday show, and then I I flew home and watched the Super Bowl with my kids. I gave my tickets to some friends of mine from Connecticut, who were huge Seahawks fans, grew up in Seattle, went to U Dub, all that stuff. And people, like, people say, "Yeah, you're, you're crazy." Peyton Manning and the Broncos have the best offense, maybe in the history of the National Football League, and I said, "You're right." But you know, there's this thing about cliches; they have a tendency to be cliché just because they're overused, but not because they're not true. Super Bowl 48 was played in uh, in Jersey at Meadowlands, and if you remember, as uh, even though it it got out of hand late, and then of course it snowed like an hour after the game, and people got stranded on um on like um temporary bus platforms. The game changed, the whole thing changed dramatically. Dramatically when there was a safety early in the game. You 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 remember that? Ramos, do you remember the safety? Nothing about it? No. Doesn't ring a bell. Denver got the ball first, right? And Manny Ramirez was their center. He snapped the ball while Peyton Manning was shifting uh from the shotgun to be under center. He's you know, calling audibles, he's doing the Peyton Manning thing. The ball goes past Manning into the end zone. No Sean Marino. You're like, man, I forgot these names, right? No Sean Marino covers the ball. It was a. Oh, it was like two nothing. You're like, oh boy. And and my logic behind it is, paid man. The reason that Tom Brady, the reason that Aaron Rodgers, the reason that the, I feel like they're better quarterbacks is paid Manning. If everything is just perfect. Playing indoors, playing in altitude where you get a little bit extra, playing at home, things are quiet. You know, if I get a chance, I get get out of the huddle earlier, no huddle, and I get a chance to look at the defense, I can everything is settled. I get a pocket, I get time to throw. Peyton Manning's the best, the best, the best there has ever been because he can just pick you apart, whereas other guys have to make changes and adjustments, especially Aaron Rodgers. He got to shuffle here and move there. The offensive line breaks down. Things are messed. Even Brett Favre, better under duress, better in bad situations in bad weather than Peyton Manning was. And you get down to nothing. The whole way the Colts were created, the way the Broncos were created, get a lead early, have undersized defensive ends, make a team play left-handed, make them throw the ball all the time, and now our defense becomes part of the game. Super Bowl forty eight was over as soon as Manny Ramirez Snapped the ball before Peyton Manning was ready and no Sean Marino got in the end zone. That's what happened last night when Aaron Judge hit that home run. I, I understand the A's have had a ton of comeback wins. I'm, I'm fully aware. Like, I can look at the stats. I've been following Major League Baseball. But in the first inning, when Aaron Judge who struggled mightily last year in the playoffs. When he comes up and uh, you know, just after you have Just after you have a one, two, three inning. And first you walk Andrew McCutcheon. You're like, uh, first, when you walk first batter, oh boy. And then Aaron Judge hits a home run, you're like, this bad boy's over. I know it was only two nothing. I know the A's do, on paper, have a good offense, and they had a bunch of relievers to turn to. And it was just this opening pitcher, and Servino wasn't going to last long anyway. Much like Super Bowl 42 and the snap that went into the end zone, Aaron Judge depositing a ball into the seats with 116 miles an hour exit velocity, the fastest recorded in Major League Baseball playoff history. Felt like it was over. Game time. This is game time.
7: Game Star On
5: the Doug Gottlieb Show
4: Borrow up to $40,000 pay off your high interest debt Credit card with Lending Lending Club Go to LendingClub.com slash playbook today Check your rate in minutes That's LendingClub.com slash playbook All loans made by Web Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender Dan Byer, what do you got? Doug, the game
7: today is Guess who? Ah, guess who Doug wide receiver Julian Edelman Trained with during his four game suspension The Boston Celtics yeah. Yes, that is the case for the Patriots wide receiver, even uh, working out with one Gordon Hayward, who's coming back from his leg injury, but not allowed to be around the Patriots for four weeks. Nothing was ever said about the NBA team. So the Celtics were his workout partners.
4: Mm, gets to work out with the Celtics. I wonder, I wonder how his uh,
7: jump shot is. I, I bet you pretty good. He seems like you know a pretty good athlete. Yep. Maybe at least can get to the uh, free throw line by taking it strong to the hoop. Guess who? Doug apparently received thousands of dollars from an agent while playing his only season of college basketball last season, and also saw his family and brother receive financial bonuses from the agent. Colin Sexton. Yeah, yeah, the former Alabama, now Cleveland Cavaliers point guard, named in that college basketball court case scandal that is going on right now. Least surprising
4: news of the day. <laughs>
7: is that was that well known, or yes. is that just oh, interesting? Yes. Okay.
4: I mean, it was – Colin Sexton was arguably number one point guard in America coming out of high school, and uh, his final list of schools was an interesting one. Now, he did go play for Alabama, and I have no idea if that's – I don't think he got paid – I don't think there's, a, there's any – I don't think anyone said he, he only got paid because he went to Alabama. I think he sure. was on the payroll. But uh, among the other teams uh, – among the other teams listed as his final five – Oklahoma State, one of them. They were also involved with some of the same people at different Oklahoma State staff at the time.
7: Guess who Doug hired ten armored guards to protect his new Los Angeles home? Uh oh, um, new Los Angeles home? Well, L.A. home. Let's take uh, out the new.
4: Oh, okay. So, um, it's it's ten one to be guards. Ten armed guards. Uh, It's got to be Yassiel Puig, right? No, Uh,
7: LeBron James. Yes, yes, that is the case. Listed on a list of potential targets for robbers, Uh, TMZ reporting that LeBron James, yes, is hired. Yeah, everybody knows when he's gone. Yes, right, absolutely. It does. When I think of
4: armed guards at homes, though, I think of all the dopes in movies. Right, they all have where they all like fall for some banana in the tailpipe type thing, and they all run in the wrong direction. Maybe I've watched too many Arnold
7: Schwarzenegger movies. (laughs) Guess who, Doug, speaking of the Lakers, will start a point guard for the Lakers during tonight's preseason game against the Kings?
4: Not Rondo? No.
7: Well, Uh, that's correct. It isn't Rondo.
4: uh, Joel Berry? No. LeBron James? No. Uh, Lonzo Ball? No. I'm
7: out. Brandon Ingram. Yeah, Ah, Brandon Ingram. We played some point guard. Yeah, going to get the nod tonight. Hey, why not in the preseason? Mixing and matching uh, lineups. Uh, Finally, Doug, guess who is a manager of a Major League Baseball team and called into a local radio show to refute the criticisms by the host? Uh, Joe Madden. No, (laughs) no, it'd be Philly skipper Gabe Kapler. Yeah, called into WIP in Philadelphia on Wednesday as Angelo Cataldi had some harsh words for GM Matt Klentak and the Phillies who went 17 and 34 down the stretch. So Kapler did the old phone in and called in and said Cataldi had had a problem with the Phillies for the last seven years. (laughs) And that's game, and huh? that's game this apparently.
5: This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
4: In fairness, the Phillies have been bad the last seven years. Yes. Right? Like, so, true. I mean, I think a lot of people had trouble with the, with the Phillies. Uh, I, I need to know more. i got to research more what the problems, the issues he specifically had with Kapler, who some of his decisions early went over like a lead balloon, but then he seemed to win people over by about midseason. Former LSU head coach Les Miles tells us about his old program, They finally find a quarterback down Baton Rouge. We discuss next in the Doug Gottlieb
5: Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: What up? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Do, 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 do. first basketball game i ever broadcast um and this is, yes first basketball game i ever broadcast was the reopening of gallagher arena it was uh oklahoma state against arkansas little rock and somewhere somebody has a tape of that game which i wasn't actually on the call the game i was doing sideline And while doing sideline, I got a chance to interview the head coach of Oklahoma State football, and that, of course, was Les Miles. Now, uh, Les had been the offensive coordinator when I first got to school at Oklahoma State. Then he left, went to work for the Cowboys for a couple years, came back in, coached Oklahoma State to bowl game after bowl game after bowl game, beating Oklahoma, something that hadn't been done as consistently, maybe ever. Even even now, as good as Mike Gundy's done, Good job as Mike Gundy's done. He wasn't as successful against Oklahoma as Les was. He left, went to LSU, won a national championship, won the SEC twice, three SEC Western Division crowns, and uh, now is taking on, among other things, acting. You see him on the weekends. Those great Dr. Pepper ads. He's kind enough to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Les, how are you?
8: Doug Gottlieb, which has been a long time, babe. I uh, I can remember when there was a uh, a transfer guard into the uh, Oklahoma State team, and we watched him play effort, you know, with effort and energy and, and make plays. And uh, I uh, yeah, I uh, I remember, I remember old Doug, the young Doug Gottlieb.
4: <laughs> so so I mean, like honest question, how are you? Like this is watching. Watching other men uh, that are your contemporaries coach football teams, some having great success, LSU having great success so far this year. How are you personally handling this time?
8: I am. Uh, I am one pursuing my sons, watching them uh, at uh, UNC and Texas A&M, and uh, I um, watching my 15 year old daughter play fast pitch softball, watching my 24 year old. Work in the position so that she can sit in the chair that you're sitting in, Doug, and uh, in, enjoying uh, what would be a, uh, a a feel of a theatrical um, pursuit. You know, doing a little acting and things like that. But uh, but still, if you, if you had to order and and put in order the, uh, the want for me. It's all about football. I want to coach college football. I want I want some A D and President to be proud to say, Hey, listen, I am I am introducing Wes Miles to my team. Um, and uh that being said, um, that's 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 kinda how I'd like to see it go. I, I've spent enough time in in game plan and in a uh, in a position to um make my team better on the practice field i'm I'm used to it i, I last last saturday that i was here i didn't have i, I could not uh, get to my sons so i had to watch that uh i had put turn three tvs on and i'm rolling around the house with my daughters saying you got to be kidding me and and enjoying the call and the strategy and the view of college football and that uh something that I always want to want to have. You know, if I get a chance, Doug, I hope to go and play and coach.
4: Um, you know, it's interesting because when, when you got to Oklahoma state, when you came back from the NFL, that was right. When the spread that's Mike Leach, of course came in with Oklahoma and he brought the spread to the big 12. Then he leaves, goes to Texas tech. And now, you know, the league's almost all spread and they're, they're running different types of, of zone read as well as, as kind of the pure spread and your style, which was kind of more traditional, right? You know, you, using fullback, using counter-tray, using big offensive linemen. Very few teams, very few teams still operate that way. I, I think the question would be, has the game evolved such that you can't play that way anymore, that everybody has to run some sort of spread game, some sort of tempo game?
8: I think there's always a point in time for a, uh, a, uh, an opportunity to move the football and control the clock. And at some point in time, you know, in every game, there's the, the uh, short yardage uh, um, position where you have to gain a yard. And to take a, a gun snap um, at five yards and hand it off at five yards is not what you want to do, okay? So there's going to be times where you're not in a in a gun spread, okay? And so... I think the spread allows you to move the football through the air and allows you to uh, um, play action and get some really big plays based on the fact that uh, um, you can fake the line of scrimmage with the quarterback as a run, right, and pull up a free safety or a corner or a linebacker for that matter, whatever the matchup you'd like, and get the ball in that in that area. And that makes, and that to me is, is one of the reasons why spread is best. And back in when I was coaching at Oklahoma State, we did a lot of quarterback run with um, Tony Lindsay. Tony Lindsay,
4: when you're offensive coordinator, sure, Almaville.
8: That's correct. And and so those those things were um, were in, in place. It just it wasn't. We didn't call it spread. We called it uh, uh, two tight ends and, and a uh, a, uh, a uh, two wide receivers, which would be you know a an opportunity to put a big tall guy on the perimeter. And uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is is that there's a lot of variations, and I think we were using a lot of the spread thought. Um, minus the zone read back when I was the offensive coordinator with
4: Tony Lindsay. Les Miles, Les Miles, former head coach Oklahoma state, former head coach at LSU course, most famously joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox sports radio, your struggles to find consistent quarterback play is, is really, you know, in all honesty, we all know kind of what undid you. They seem to have, you know, Joe Burrow was really inconsistent, seemed competent, but comes over from Ohio state. Doesn't have a ton of time. And now all of a sudden he's steadily improved. I know yet you don't spend every moment of the day watching and breaking down LSU tape, but you did sit down, happen to watch three games at once last weekend. Is Joe Burrow good enough to where now LSU finally has competent quarterback play to go along with the depth of athletes that you guys recruit there for years?
8: Absolutely. I think, I think Joe is a, uh, a guy that understands that, uh, that first of all, he comes from a coaching family He's um, Mr. Ohio football, and uh, and he is a, a, an athletic man. I mean, he is a guy that can run it and, and can and can throw it. And in my opinion, is a guy that has the ability uh, to do all those things that uh, that, uh, that 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 would make that team better. And uh, I think he's made real smart decisions. I don't think he's in the pick. I don't think he's had a fumble, and he runs the football. So in my opinion, you know, when they picked up Joe, and Joe was a backup at Ohio State, that was a tremendous skit.
4: Uh, Alabama seems to have handled this, this you know benching Jalen Hurts and starting Tua as well as you possibly could, have, could, could handle it. Uh, what's, what's the keys to keeping everybody happy, not just the quarterbacks, but the parents as well?
8: winning is the first thing, you know, the opportunity to go play for a national championship is, is a tremendous, um, caveat. It's a, it's a tremendous goal. And to put yourself and say, Hey, listen, for the team, I'm going to play. I'm going to be behind. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the responsibility for being the second quarterback in the game. And, uh, I think, I think what Nick did was the exact right thing. I think he approached it correctly with both guys. I think he said, hey, listen, you could transfer. And I want you to know both quarterbacks, 90% of the college teams in America today would take either one of them. Okay? That being said, now these two guys, they get to demonstrate playing for the team. And what a wonderful way to approach it. And in my opinion, That's, uh, I'm very comfortable with that philosophy and that understanding, that that team philosophy. But I think it's something that has to be approached, and it has to be approached right by the coach, and I think that Nick did a great job that way. If you say to that guy, hey, listen, I'm going to start this guy. I'm not going to start you. You're you're not a guy that's going to play every game. Um, And I know, you know, like Joe Burrow, that you want to go play. Well, guess what? Joe Burrow's made a tremendous difference in his career. He's going to get two years starting at at LSU, and he's going to have an opportunity to play in the next league, and that is, and also a consideration. So i uh, I think you're, uh, I think it makes it an interesting piece. I think the advantages for those guys like Alabama who can communicate with both quarterbacks and be honest and say, hey, you're both going to play, and. You know, if if you say to one quarterback, you're not playing, don't expect him to be here for next year. I mean, because if they can find a place to play, they're going to go. They're going to go find a place.
4: Sure. to play. Look what happened. Look what happened at Clemson. Now, don't you have a bet because LSU goes to Florida this weekend, plays in the swamp. Florida coming off that big win where yeah, Dan Mullen yeah, went yeah. home and be Mississippi. Old, the don't you have
8: ball coach? Yeah, the old ball coach has made. Is made. He, he, he can't say that. He, he, you know, you can't. You can't. You can't pretend that uh, that the old uh, Gator magic is there. I mean, the, you know, he's he's. Everything goes through him. He's just as, as excited as he can be about uh, this Florida team. And I, I I'm taking the uh, the uh, Louisiana team. I mean, it's just that simple. So what? So what's the bet? Yeah. Well, here's the bet. Okay. I, um I have to wear a visor, you know, like a Florida Gator visor, um, if in fact something were to happen un- unexpectedly, you know, like finishing second in this game uh, for LSU. What? But, uh,
4: what's he have to do if if LSU wins?
8: He has to eat grass. So, I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. I think I think it would be so entertaining to see him have to just to play the grass. I mean, I just I think that was exactly. I think the bet is is up and running i think it's a, a uh, it's the right uh, style of bet it's uh, good natured certainly um but uh, it also um, on the game it keeps it interesting aren't they?
4: it does keep it interesting <laughs> <laughs> i love it hey
8: God, hey, got me yes. that's all i know about Spanish, that's my best Spanish word.
4: It's really good. It's really good. Uh, that you know, next time you go to Cabo, try that one out. See how see how it works. Exactly you know, right cerveza, there. also, you could go go cerveza interesante.
8: Cerveza is good. Yeah, delicioso is also very good.
4: Where can we get more info on the bet? Um, the
8: uh, you can you can check us out on Twitter. Both uh, Steve's Twitter and my Twitter um, have uh, you know have been kind of what's going
4: on. Who would, who would have thought back in the day when we were lifting weights together in that old weight room at Oklahoma State that uh, you'd be in the be, basement Yeah, in the no, yeah. well, yes, we were we would we would do the basketball weight room in the basement, that's right, or the one up on that's the right. second, uh on the second floor. We'd be talking about your Twitter handle and Steve Spurrier eating grass if LSU beats Florida. Those are the days. Coach, yeah. thanks so much for catching up with us. We'll talk to you soon. Doug same goes. See ya. All right, that's Less Miles. He is muy interesante. <laughs> By the way, I, I didn't want to correct him, but can I, buyer? Can I point something out that's very, very important? A common mistake many people make. Music. Can I point this out to you? All right, let's do it. Okay, it's not old ball coach; it's head ball coach. Okay, he is old, and he technically it is right that he's the old ball coach. But the nickname for Steve Spurrier was head ball coach, and he had it marked on all of his gear. But all of his visors said HBC, not OBC.
9: But has it changed? Now that he's retired, well, I guess we'll just have to have him on. Uh,
4: Well, by and large, we just have to have him on. Headball coach. Old ball coach. I'm old. I I was a headball coach. Can the rivalry be back if it was never really a rivalry? We'll discuss. Next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
4: app. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. The Patriots take on the Colts tonight in Foxborough. Thursday night football on Fox. And um, kind of interesting here. I was, I was looking at the... <clears throat> rivalry rivalry it it should be pointed out that uh Pate Manning had a run there from 2005 to 2009 where the Colts won five out of six against Tom Brady and the Pats now excuse me um four of those six were against Tom Brady and the Patriots 2008 Matt Castle was actually the starting quarterback For for the Patriots. So I guess that's where the rivalry was somehow born. But since Tom Brady has become the starting quarterback of the Pats. His record is 14 and four against the Colts. It's been since 2009 that the Colts beat the Patriots. 2009. It's been since 2006 when they won in Gillette Stadium. 2005, 2006, back to back years, they won in Gillette Stadium. That was also when the Colts were among the best teams in the National Football League. Is it really a rivalry if over the last two decades, the Patriots are 15 and 6? What do we think? Dan Orlovsky, by the way, our boy Dan Orlovsky now works for ESPN. He was a starter one year in 2011. That was when, that was the year that Peyton Manning was out, where Lovsky was the starting quarterback. Andrew Lux never beat the Pats. He's 0-5 lifetime, 9 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And I think the answer is, yeah. It's more the Patriots have always been the nemesis. More The nemesis more than the rival. We okay with that as a definition? You guys know what a a nemesis is very, very different. Um, A nemesis, I believe, I'm trying to think of the actual definition. It is a rivalry, but it's also, here it is, an inescapable agent of someone or something's downfall. They always beat us. You know, it's like the bad guys on um, Scooby-Doo and I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those meddling kids meddling kids are the nemesis of the bad guys here's Chris Ballard who's the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts Josh McDaniels of course agreed to terms to become the Colts new head coach Then he changed his mind here is Chris Ballard shortly afterwards
10: alright guys thank y'all Thanks,
3: Chris. Thanks, Chris. the rivalry is back on
4: the rivalry is back on we're going to call the cops on them again and tell them they deflated the footballs and played better when the footballs were reinflated again so there's a difference between a rival and a nemesis and i would say uh the patriots are more the, the nemesis to the colts than they are the arch rival to the colts Speaking of the Patriots, they get Julian Edelman back. Looks like Gronk's going to play. Coming off their best team performance of the year. They 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 now, it feels like their first-round draft pick running back. Now we, we have like a legit between-the-tackles runner. Like we're starting to kind of just figure it out. So many other teams and fans approach the National Football League like it's college football. Like you lose week one, you lose week two. Hey, we're not going to college football playoff. That ain't the way it works, buddy. You don't want to do what the Chargers did last year and start 0-4 and, and then have to fight your way so that when you do give away a game, Patriots get the, the Chargers gave away a couple late, now you don't make the playoffs. But you also don't have to freak out over an early season loss. You can figure out what you have and figure out how you can fix it. I th- I think it's going to be an interesting game, but I do think this is not a rivalry game. It's a nemesis game. Now, the the Red Sox, the the Yankees used to be the nemesis of the Red Sox. But I feel like that has changed. And look, the, the Colts, as much as the Colts and the Patriots, you want them to be rivals. It was different because it was Peyton Manning. Right? Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, two elite quarterbacks from essentially the same era, essentially the same age. Both ultimately won Super Bowls. Brady won more. Peyton Manning was the quarterback's quarterback. You know, what's fascinating about Peyton Manning is, here he won two Super Bowls, and there, how many times did you hear Peyton Manning was the greatest quarterback of all time, and now because he's not in the game and Tom Brady has continued to play well, it's like we completely forgotten about it. Now Aaron Rodgers has replaced him as the guy who's won a championship but not enough championships to challenge as the GOAT in some people's minds. But it's really hard for it to be a rivalry when you have a different GM, a different coach, a different quarterback, a completely different scheme, different system, even if everything is the same for the Patriots. It's like, yeah, we're told we're supposed to not like each other, but whatever. Right? What it feels like. We're going to catch up with Mike Pereira shortly, NFL on Fox rules expert. Obviously, we want to talk about some of these roughing calls, but also some of the ways in which officiating will change as the season goes on. Let's first catch up with Dan Byer as we're getting ready for postseason baseball. A couple pretty good hitters there on the set of Fox, right? (laughs) David Ortiz,
7: yeah. And uh, Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, standing on the mound uh, as well. You know, no Dontrell Willis on the mound. They put A-Rod on the mound to uh, throw to David Ortiz in in their— Big Hurt. Yes, in their faux setup, but you got Dontrell Willis there as well. Yeah, Frank Thomas. Yeah, and Kevin Burkhart, who's in a class by himself. Baseball does get going on Fox Sports 1 with the first pitch between the Rockies and Brewers at 5.07 Eastern time from Milwaukee. Brewers going bullpen by committee to start this game. Brandon Woodruff is on the mound for Milwaukee. Colorado throws Antonio Sensatella to the bump. Game two tonight, or I should say the second game of the National League Divisional Series is a game one between the Braves and Dodgers. 8.37 Eastern time in L.A. That one's on the MLB Network. Hunjid Rio getting the start for the Dodgers in game one. Mike fulton pitches for Atlanta. Falcons running back. Devontae Freeman expected to return from his knee injury to play Sunday against the Steelers. Bengals tailback Joe Mixon on the practice field today. He looks to get back from a knee injury to face the Dolphins on Sunday. And Rob Gronkowski is going to go for the Patriots. They face the Colts as Week 5 starts tonight. 7.30 Eastern time. Doug, you will see the game on Fox.
4: A lot of of Fox stuff today, right? We Yeah, right. Now, is just the NL wild card or NLNL wild card? I mean, NL playoffs. I we, believe
7: TBS has the uh, American uh, League.
4: And did, and Brian Anderson is he replacing um,
7: Ernie Johnson? Ernie? I don't have the announcing schedule in front of me, but um, that would seem Don Orsillo. I believe is going to do work as well. Yeah,
4: Brian Anderson's really good. Of course, he calls Don is too, but Brian calls uh, Brewers. One of the guys that calls Brewers games as well as his other work for uh, for for Turner.
7: And tomorrow, Doug, FS1 has two games. They'll have uh, both game twos in the NL with both of those so, American League games on TBS.
4: So FS1 has the NL this year and um,
7: Except, Turner has the yeah, AL. Yeah, basically. MLB Network's got Braves-Dodgers tonight.
4: Huh. Huh. That's interesting. And I, I mean, I'm sure our bosses would rather have Red Sox-Yankees, right? Let's uh, welcome in Mike Pereira, who, of course, is uh, former head of NFL Officiatings, Fox, NFL on Fox Rules ex, expert. Um, Mike, I, look, I know there's been a ton of discussion about the roughness, roughness calls. and I, I want to get to that. But what else? What else are we missing? Right. When, you know, we have a tendency to kind of lock in on a call here or there when we're watching TV or we're, you know, yakkers like I am on radio or on television what what else is a trend in the officiating which you've been able to see through the first four games?
11: Well, I mean, I have always said watch out for the points of emphasis. You know, you go to the new rule about initiating uh, contact with the helmet, forget it. That was a big statement in the first two weeks of the preseason, but there's been four called in four weeks in the regular season. So that's basically off the board. The roughing the passer thing only five calls last week, so that seems to be taking a backseat. But what doesn't take a backseat is the downfield passing game and the point of emphasis on illegal contact and defensive holding. I mean, the number of fouls, three times more illegal contact calls made in, uh, in the first four weeks of this season versus last season. Receivers are running freer routes, and boy is it ever reflected in – the offense, um, looking at the number of touchdowns, just how about this through week four 228 passing touchdowns. Last year at this time, 187. Um, 4,000 more passing yards in the, through week four this year than there was last year. So this point of emphasis now about you cannot chuck a receiver more than five yards downfield with the quarterback in the pocket has led to, at least in my opinion, a, a much bigger change than any other rule change or roughing the passer. It's been really incredible. Yeah,
4: and then when you combine it with the roughing the passer or previous rules, uh, the fact they don't really call pick plays, uh, you can go a yard, a yard and a half um, up, you know, past the line of scrimmage on these RPOs as well. Like, all of these rules have been in favor of of the offense but as you point out, like some of this does, kind of water does find its level as the season goes on. Do you think the downfield calls, the the holding and chucking, do you think that will even out as well?
11: I don't think I don't think it will because if you go back in time and you go back to two thousand and three, and I think it's ironic as I'm heading out now to see the Patriots and the, and the Colts play, the point of emphasis that they put in after the championship game in two thousand three when the Patriots beat the Colts and Bill pulling and the coats Colts basically lit up the competition committee and I was head of officiating at the time and and we did get two lakhs. We just were not calling illegal contact and and the number of illegal contacts in two thousand and four ended up to be five times greater than they were in two thousand and three, and points and offense did go up, so I don't see them backing off of this. Uh, You know, a lot of it has to do with how the officiating department perceives it and certainly perceiving it as a point of emphasis. They're going to monitor it closely and give no calls to officials when they shouldn't have called it, and that makes them then more responsive to making calls. So I I think this trend stays, and I think we see shattered records in offense when we get to the end of the regular season.
4: Uh, Well, the Kansas City Chiefs obviously are lighting up scoreboards. But one of, the, one of the big plays in Monday Night Football was when the play clock appeared to expire. Here's uh, NBC rules expert Terry McCauley yesterday on the Dan Patrick Show talking about the play clock not being like the NBA shot clock. Take a listen.
8: It is loosely enforced because it's not like the shot clock in basketball. It's a technical violation, just like, uh, you know, lining up you know, illegal formations. And it's things that you could call constantly throughout the game that just just frustrate fans, coaches, players, officials that don't need to be called unless it's clearly obvious that, that a foul's been committed.
4: Okay, so is that an accurate way of looking at the play clock that expired and the Chiefs yet still had a chance to make a big play?
11: Well, it's accurate to a degree. I think I would say it differently. And um, I'm actually going to talk about it on our last call or now first call tonight that runs on digital. It's a mechanical thing because the play clock is covered by the back judge. And when you get to certain stadiums, you know, the play clock, the official play clock is the one in the scoreboard or located somewhere on the stadium wall. So. What we have told officials forever, and this is the back judges, that what you do is you look at the clock and you watch the clock, and when it hits zero, then you look down and find the ball. And if the ball is being snapped by the time you get there, then don't call it. So you have this natural lag, which really is what you have in the Kansas City play. If you let that run full-time without uh, regular speed without a – a a stop frame on it, you would see the ball was snapped a flash after it turned zero. But um, that's always been the mechanic, and we've always said there's going to be a little lag. Now, if the little lag turns into a second and a half, then it becomes too long of a lag. Um, But Terry's right, but really the mechanical... The process of the back judge—that's what creates that um, delay.
4: We also saw the Ravens use. I almost felt like the Ravens are taking a play out of the Patriots playbook. Remember uh, a couple years ago um, in the this is actually the the game. I think it was the divisional game before the Deflate Gate game. Uh, the Patriots ran some formations where they spread their linemen out wide, and uh, they weren't covering up their their wide receivers, but it was. It confused the Ravens, and then afterwards, it was Tom Brady who said, "Well, they need to read the rule book, right?" And so mm-hmm. the, then the and so then the Ravens this week they had what their tight end lineup in the middle of their offensive line, but he was technically in the backfield, which made him eligible for a downfield pass. I know it's hard to not show it on video, but Mike, for people who saw the play and may be confused by it, what are in fact the rules?
11: Well, the rules are that you cannot line up there i mean if you are an eligible player there must be clear separation between you and the nearest lineman that you line up close to you cannot get into that no man's land and the no man's land is what we call for example a quarterback under center um so that that's that's illegal i haven't seen a uh an nfl team run that i've seen it in college um and it's illegal too in college by the way but they uh, they got away with one. I was told that that um, the Baltimore actually told the officials about it the week before, and they basically told them that hey, there has to be clear you know clear separation there. But obviously, the word didn't get through to the um, officials that uh, that had them this week because that's not legal, and you will not see them run that again. I promise you that they got a call from uh, Al Riveron saying okay, you snuck one bias, but you can't do that again.
4: Great stuff. Mike Pereira, NFL on Fox. Check out the digital, what's it called, the, the first the first call?
11: It's called the first call on Thursday nights, and then it's called the last call on Mondays at 1 o'clock in the afternoon.
4: Mike, enjoy the game tonight. We look forward to seeing you on Fox. Thanks for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. That's Thursday Night Football continues on Fox tonight with the bitter rivalry between the Colts and the Patriots. All that coverage starts 7.30 Eastern Time, 4.30 Pacific. Only on Fox. Colin Coward would take Drew Brees over Aaron Rodgers. Give me my thoughts next.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Previously on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Check this out.
4: Tyler Boyd from the first place Cincinnati Bengals. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What specifically did you have to do to change?
10: Uh, basically just just continue to, to uh Nourish my body, you know, and just just eat right and and, and prepare my body well, uh, my body right, cold tubbing and 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 make sure i get massages once a week, you know, just just having a having a a, a routine, you know, going every week, you know, we try to keep it the same, you know, so so everything can go according to
4: plan. All right, so what do you miss? what What were your What were your foods that you cut out that you miss? Uh,
10: just just majority of all the junk food like snacks and stuff, Doritos, all the all the stuff that's that's fatty foods, who not.
4: What is your outside of football addiction?
10: It's definitely got to be between uh, movies and video games.
4: You go to a movie theater. This is very important. This is this is the stuff people really care about. What do you order?
10: <laughs> I'm gonna get a. I get a medium popcorn. Nobody gets get a def- medium.
4: Wait, hold on. For a dollar more, it's a large. And for two dollars yeah, more, a large, you can but it's get too much. I ain't gonna be able to eat all that. I, I ain't know. Waste but, it. okay, do you get butter on it? Definitely. Salt. Got to get, you got to put salt. Now, do you do the butter? Like, put it halfway, then put butter, then yeah, fill it up.
10: Yeah, I tell them specifically. You got to put the butter halfway, then fill it back up. Okay, then, then put the butter on top.
4: And what do you get to drink?
10: Uh, the icy. You got, and then mix all of them. Whatever ones they got, mix them all together.
4: Blue and red, mix it together. That's blue, that, red. That, that's right. We got to all get along, right and left, blue and red, black and white. Uh-huh. All got to live together in this. <laughs> okay,
10: and then and, and then and then to top it off. I, I got to get the the, uh, the uh, watermelon pouches. If you missed anything from the Doug
5: Gottlieb Show, you can always podcast by going to foxsportsradio.com. Now, once again, here's Doug Gottlieb.
4: Can I be honest with you? I've never had or never seen the watermelon candy that he was talking about.
9: Seriously? You've never heard of the... What he was trying to say is they're Sour Patch Kids, but then they have Sour Patch Watermelon. And it's just little watermelons and they're all watermelon flavored.
4: Oh, that's delicious. I I like Sour Anything. I'm okay with that. I thought he You've meant never, the kind. I thought he meant the kind where you bite into them and a little like you get a little juice in there. Like I don't think uh, you know you get a little no a fake like candy. gushers. Sort of, yeah.
9: No, I've I think he's. I think he was talking about. Do you have the Sour Patch Kids? But they're still Sour Patch, but they're just watermelon and they're shaped like little watermelons. I you think know, that's you, what he was saying. You know what
4: else we didn't ask. The movie was Upload. Is that right? Is that what it's called? Upgrade. 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 Um. We didn't ask him who he went to the movies, but he went to the movies with his boys. And if you do, don't you you leave a seat in between your, you and your friends? Oh, yeah, you have to. Always yeah. leave a seat in between Always. You. And it's Always. really, when you get into a crowded theater and all of a sudden you got to sit
9: next to your friends, that's weird. Really? That doesn't bother me. If it's a crowded theater and you have to sit next to each other, that doesn't bother me. But if you go. Because then you do that, then somebody's got to fight
4: over the head, the armrest or whatever. It's a little bit like flying in a coach in a plane. Yeah.
9: That's true. I could, see, I could see where you're coming from but uh, empty movie theater, guaranteed, got to leave the seat in between.
4: Where do you sit in a movie theater?
9: Uh, Well, I ideally try to do the one that has the rail in front of you, so then you can put your feet up, and then you also don't have anyone directly in front of you. Yeah, but
4: what if that's in the front of the theater?
9: They almost all have, because they have like that lower tier of seats, and then they have the upper tier, and so it almost always has that section. But otherwise, yeah, I don't go lower tier. I go up towards the middle. Middle Middle is the best spot.
4: Yeah, the only thing about Middle Middle, again, is when you have, uh, when you get a full theater, and I want a easy access uh, true. to having to run to get more popcorn. Okay. Now, now, look, I've done a lot of movies with kids. A lot of movies with and, and, oh, yeah, by the way, one of the best things about raising kids is when they start to get older and you can... Like PG thirteen, like my girls are twelve. First you take them to a PG thirteen and they're not thirteen and you they become you're the coolest guy on earth. <laughs> okay. But also, but kids are when they're little kids, they're demanding as hell, right? You're just trying to keep them quiet. Dad, I gotta poop, I gotta pee, <laughs> you know, or you know, somebody forgot you need a nap somebody spilled something. So you wanna be upper middle, but you you you'll turn down the middle to be to have access to the stairs so that you can run out and run back in.
9: I, yeah, I I I agree.
1: Ramos, you're right. You
4: don't know what I'm, Ramos knows what I'm talking about, right? R- Ramos, do you do that with kids?
9: Yeah, I have
1: dealt with children, yes. Uh, when You're right. When we go with the kids, we go to the corner, off to the side. When I'm with just Suzanne, we go middle.
4: <laughs> I eat a crazy amount of popcorn
9: at, at movie theaters.
4: And I, I usually eat it in the first 20 minutes of the theater, <laughs> and then I'm so God. incredibly full, and I feel terrible about myself.
9: I I always, you always, do you ever go into it thinking you can pace yourself? Because yes. I do that every time. I'm just like, you'll start eating it, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the first trailer, so let me just relax. And- I do think they should have, like, I, I want to open my own movie
4: theater to where you have intermission. You know, they have the ones now that where you come, you can you can have dinner and drinks, and they bring it to you even during the movie. You can order it, whatever. But I feel like they should do an intermission. I mean, it's a complete, movie theaters are losing money, right? They're not making nearly as much money as they used to, and a lot of them are mom and pop ones are closing, why don't they do an intermission where they can sell more food? And I would even do it where you can, you can make charge a little bit less for popcorn. And then, you know, you charge for a refill and you, you'd be amazed at intermission. People would go get a refills and go get a new drink. Absolutely. Like, especially some of those long two and a half hour movies, do an intermission, hour 15 in, cut it. Everybody goes,
9: gets up, goes pee. People are like, this is the greatest thing ever. Because it's not going to take that much extra time. It's not like you're going to have like a 45 minute intermission. Right. I would just, I would even
4: say, like, at the Gottlieb Movie Theater, Inc., I would even say, hey, look, we just like cut it, like, intermission, five minutes. You got five minutes. We're you start- got to make it 10. No. Because then
9: otherwise everyone's literally running to the bathroom.
4: No, they're not. It depends. I, I, okay, I'll go with 10. Go with 10. And by the way, I plus would also,
9: if it's only five, then you have, you have the choice. It's bathroom or snacks.
4: You know, the, well, you can also divide and conquer, right? But you could also, here's the other thing you could do. If you just, if you just told people legitimately when the movie started, right? Like, look, we're going to run the previews. The previews run before the movie time. So the movie actually starts at seven. Cause now if I've, if I live eight minutes from a movie theater, in my house, right? eight minutes, there's eight and 10 minutes. Plus, I factor in parking. If I I usually leave right when the movie is supposed to begin, because I don't want to watch the previous, or maybe five minutes beforehand. That way, I can still grab some popcorn. We can still park fine. We walk in, we grab popcorn, we go in, and we watch the movie, and it hasn't started yet. I just, if you actually started on time, then it wouldn't be that big a deal. Let's find out what the Fox said. And now. <laughs> Ah! Which is brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. Colin Cowherd had this to say about Drew Brees earlier today.
2: Let's look at productivity. Drew Brees has more historical numbers. I mean, good God. 5,000-yard seasons. He's had five. Aaron's had none. And by the way, Brees has years to go. Uh, Duration, longevity. Brees, check over Aaron Rodgers. At this current time. Big wins, they're even. Aaron's had some stumbles in the playoffs. I think Breeze and Aaron Rodgers, in terms of the big W, they're the same. But one of the things, when I get close, because I do think Aaron and Drew Brees are close, never forget this. Aaron Rodgers inherited an NFC championship team from Brett Favre that was 13 and 3 with multiple Pro Bowlers. Drew Brees came to New Orleans. They were wearing grocery bags on fans' heads. They were called the Aints. They were three and thirteen. They had one playoff win in franchise history. He saved the franchise post Katrina. Uh, look, he, he's not wrong about what the Saints used to be. It's one of the things that that
4: that doesn't uh, doesn't get discussed enough. Now it should be pointed out that they were a pretty good franchise before he got there, and they've had more bad seasons recently than uh, while Drew Brees is healthy. You know, they went seven nine seven nine seven nine after losing a divisional games and. So, I mean, like, look, let's not act like they've been they've been as good, but they've had a ridiculously bad defense. The question is this. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, who'd you rather have? Most people would pick Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees is one of the most remarkable success stories in the history of the NFL, not just because of the numbers, not just because of winning in New Orleans consistently when nobody else won in New Orleans, but also because he did it after people thought he wouldn't play again because of how he hurt his shoulder in San Diego. Ah! What's up, so if you want to tell me that Drew Brees is awesome, I'll agree with you. If You want to tell me he's be- better than Aaron Rodgers? I'm going to disagree with you. Sure seems like he has a better working relationship, though, with his head coach than Aaron Rodgers does. All right, coming up next, you've already decided that you don't like John Gruden. Even if what John Gruden says is correct. Which kind of makes John Gruden a little bit like the president we will discuss next in the Doug Gottlieb show.
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search FSR to listen live.
4: What up Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm, 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 mm. Oh. Don't don't do don't. Hope you're having a great day getting ready for Major League Baseball's playoffs to kick off. That's uh who is that? Kenny Albert and who calling those uh calling those games. David Cohn. Man, I used to love David Cohn. Former Met, former Yankee, among other people. And then who's that? Uh uh oh, that's AJ Brzezinski, isn't it? AJ is really good. Really good. We used to have him on as a guest way, way, way back in the day. Although faking out the umpire, the drop third strike against the Angels—that's the word. That was the yeah. Worst, I don't like. I don't like that guy. <laughs> I don't like that guy. Listen, they're they're good though. And Kenny Albert on the call of the NL divisional series between the Colorado Rockies and the Milwaukee Brewers. Ooh, that's gonna be a ratings bonanza. Bonanza. Not making fun. It's just it's weird how like. All of a sudden, baseball. I just don't understand that mentality. Who's playing Yankees and A's? All right, I'll watch. Who's playing Rockies and Brewers? Nope, no interest at all. <laughs> I mean, it's like, like oh, the the Cubs lose, right? So it's not the Cubs Brewers. Like, let's not let's be honest. Most of you didn't watch Cubs games in the regular season. You might have flipped it on, flipped it off. The idea you're a hardcore baseball fan—that's such a small number of people. I can't wait to watch the playoffs. Oh, the Cubs lost. I will not watch the playoffs, but that's apparently what happens. The numbers will pale in comparison without the Cubbies in it. Uh, thankfully, you'll have the either the A's or I mean, the Angels, the Red Sox or the Yankees in the ALCS because they'll move it. They'll meet up in the DS starting tomorrow. Doug Gottlieb show Fox sports radio. I, I say this all the time that I miss reading the newspaper. I do. I don't know. I'm, I really miss reading the newspaper. I read a lot now. My children don't think I do. Cause I stare at my phone when I read They're like, yeah, hey, you're on your phone. It's like, I'm reading. No, you're not. You're on Twitter. I was like, well, I use Twitter as a feed. I press click, takes me over to somebody's article. And then I read the article. I do wish, I may have to, John, I may have to go and and get a subscription to a newspaper just so they see that I'm actually reading. But newspapers are so much slimmer than they used to. And one of my favorite parts about getting the Sunday paper was the Parade Magazine once a year would have what people make. You remember that one?
1: I do, yes.
4: What does John Ramos make? John Ramos is- (laughs) I was not in there. (laughs) John Ramos is the executive director of production for the- Doug Gottlieb show. I am writing technical that one down. You're the executive technical yes. director for the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio, which is part of premier radio networks. I know you once a week have to go to some bizarre meeting where they discuss all the higher up stuff.
12: Bizarre is a good term for yes. it, by the way.
4: Yes. It's like, uh, oh, Ramos has got a meeting. they like, Ramos is a meeting. They're like, yeah, it's <laughs> for the higher ups. And he's in charge of all technical directions. Like, man, poor guy. I know he wants to just get home to his kids. They like me up there. Dad. Anyway, everybody likes you. So, Um, uh, anyway, what does John Ramos make? You said, man, that guy's a, he's a yoga teacher in Turpin Springs in Florida. Like what does, what does John Ramos make? And sometimes you'll see a salary that's out of whack. Like, wait, wait, he works at the post office and he makes 90 grand a year in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. That seems that, that kind of seems off. Seems like You make a judgment about somebody before you ever see their work or even care about the quality of their work. That's John Gruden. You hear 10 years, $100 million, and you automatically, well, he's got to be the greatest coach ever and win automatically, and if he makes one controversial move, you jump all over him. Now, I'm not saying that John Gruden has been kind to Reggie McKenzie, the general manager of the Raiders, in many of his comments. I'm not going to lie to you there. But I do think we have a tendency to parse his words and think that everything he's saying is a shot at Reggie McKenzie. There's a little bit of what's happened to President Trump, right? President Trump has said and done, but mostly said and tweeted so many crazy things during his time in office or running for office that even when he says or tweets something that is completely rational and actually is going to help some and many Americans, we lose we lose track of who we are, what we are. We just go crazy. Here's what John Gruden said about Derwin James, who plays for the L.A. Chargers. Now, Derwin James leads the Chargers defense in tackles, sacks, passes defended, and he has the interception. He's a young safety who is playing at a Pro Bowl level, and he still, my people inside the Chargers, like they he still doesn't know what he's doing. He's great, and he doesn't even imagine how good he'll be once he knows what he's doing. So um, here's what John Gruden had to say. We wanted to take Derwin James. This is on a teleconference getting ready for the game. Everybody wanted Derwin James. But um, we previously took Carl Joseph, who's a safety in 2016, and um, Obi Malefonwu, Malafonwu in 2017. Two selections in consecutive years in the first and second round, both on safeties, made it difficult for Gruden to justify using a high pick on another safety, so they went with offensive tackle Colton Miller. It should be pointed out that they just lost their offensive tackle, uh, Donald Penn, and so Colton Miller is going to get a chance to be an even bigger part of what the Raiders are doing now, not just in the future. He went on and on, though, about how the Chargers have Derwin James and he's got this versatile skill set somewhere comparable to Ronnie Lott and Rodney Harrison. And so people are taking what John Gruden is saying as a slap in the face at Reggie McKenzie. Hey, you took two subpar defensive backs. Now we had a chance at a superstar defensive back, so we didn't take him. I look at it as this is just context. If you like Derwin James so much, why didn't you take Derwin James? And the answer is we like Derwin James fine. But we just drafted two safeties and we had other positions of need. That's it. This is this is what's happened with the president because of some of the things that he said and done. This is what happens with so many people in society when we find out how much money they make. You know? Roger Dell has done incredible things in the NFL, but because you found out he made $40 million one year, you totally lost your mind. Now you're like, well, you make $40 million, then you got to do something good. Even when he does something right, you're like, well, he makes $40 million he's supposed to. We have no idea what Adam Silver makes. None. We're like, oh, he's the best ever. Like, Okay. If it comes out that Adam Silver makes $30 million and the ratings start to slip even a little bit, or he has some sort of controversy. Well, let's see how people adjust. You find out how much somebody makes completely changes your perception on who they are and the quality of their work. Gruden got all that money because it was the only way to get him out of the booth. You had to overpay to get him. You know, that's, When somebody has a sick house that's dialed in, you're like, this doesn't make sense for the comps in the neighborhood. Like, yeah, but you know what? His wife designed the house. They live in the house. They got three little kids. They don't, there's no other house in the neighborhood that they really want to move into. You want that house? Fine. You got to overpay for it. Professional baseball player bought a house three doors down from me across the street. Massively overpaid for it. And you know why? Because my buddy redid this house. He's a realtor. It's a sick dialed in house. And he turned down a bunch of other people who wanted to buy the house and overpay for it. He's like, look, I don't really want to move. You, you got to hit my make-me-move price. That's what the Raiders did for John Gruden. They hit the make-me-move price. All right, getting ready to watch Brewers taking on the Rockies. Do you guys know, I think we all know because we're sports fans, who Christian Yelich is, right? He plays for the Brewers. He's arguably the NL's MVP. I want an honest answer here, Ramos. Do you know what position Christian Yelich plays? Left field?
9: I know he's an outfielder.
4: Okay. You want to take a shot there? I didn't say if he's right or wrong. Uh, are you looking it up, music? I saw you looking
9: up. I am up. not. I'm doing some other stuff. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know exactly. I don't know what position specifically, but I do believe he is an outfielder. I think
4: he's, he's a center fielder. Okay. Christian Yelich, who's, he's from right around, he's from close to where we broadcast from. He's from, I think he's from Westlake Village, which um, is right around where the Rams actually train. It's from Thousand Oaks type area, which is almost midway in between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara. Stud player. And he, along with Nolan Arenado, another Southern California kid. Two of the, can I, am I okay saying two of the 10, maybe two of the five best players in the game? Yelich and Arriano, yeah, oh,
1: definitely Arriano. I'm sure Yelich is getting up there, though.
4: I would say Yelich is there. Bayer, would you say is it okay to to say Yelich is one of the top ten players in the game? All right. I mean, he led the league in three twenty six, led the league in slugging, 34, 36 home runs, hundred ten RBI. Granted, this is his, uh, this is a a breakout year for him. I'll I'll go with you there, Ramos. He's Probably should be in the top 10, but he's not considered there yet. He's had that type of season, but you got to have it multiple seasons to be considered. Okay, I got that. I'm good with that. We're going to take you to Vegas upcoming next. Get you ready for this wild weekend of football betting. That next. But first, sports fans, football season is here. It's time to get in on the action with mybookie.net. Mybookie.net is the industry's leading sports action website that offers. Real Vegas odds and football and baseball and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even bet the over or under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net. Let's see you play online and win big. Use the promo code Gottlieb G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B, to register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did, you, did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie.net has in-game live action with every major league event, even esports. There's no better time to join mybookie.net than today. Go to mybookie.net to open an account and start winning. Use the promo code Gottlieb. That's G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B when you register for your account and get a hundred percent sign-up bonus. Get in on the action. Visit mybookie.net's website today. Use the promo code Gottlieb and get that hundred percent sign-up bonus. Mybookie.net promo code Gottlieb, hundred percent bonus. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hey. Sports on TV in the daytime, that's good stuff, right? Major League Baseball's uh, NLDS getting kicked off on Fox Sports 1 tonight on Fox. You got Thursday night football, NBA preseason and, of course, after Thursday Night Football, big Saturday, Sunday, college, pro football. What better place to go than Vegas?
12: Wait till I
5: give
8: my money right.
5: Are you tired of losing money every week?
7: Yeah, boy.
5: Do you want to be in the know? How
7: about know?
5: Well, we might not know, but Vegas always knows.
1: Vegas! Bring out the bottles!
4: R.J. Bell, you can hear him after this show. He and Jonas Knox daily host a great show. Great show for one hour. Gets you ready for all the events of the night. R.J., I, I know that uh, divisional round, divisional playoffs have already kicked off in the National League. Um, I know the Red Sox are also the favorite to win the World Series. But uh, give me the, the rankings of favorites uh, to win the thing after the, after the Red Sox.
12: Yeah, Red Sox three to one the favor, but right behind them, Doug Astros four to one, Dodgers six to one, Yankees seven to one, Milwaukee eight to one, Indians eight to one, Rockies ten to one, one big long shot Braves sixteen to one. Baseball postseason is about parity; it's about luck a lot of it. Let me give you an example. Let's say we rank teams into top four each season based on projected win total. Right? So Vegas has a win total. We look at the top four in the NBA, for example. If you go back to 2007, there has not been one NBA champion that was not part of the top four teams entering the season. Zero since 2007. There's been four times in baseball in that same period there's been a non-top four team. So the, the sabermetric guys will say it's very hard to predict the playoffs. There's such a big element of luck. My main advice, if you are betting baseball, would be look towards the underdog. I look at the Braves and think 16-1 is kind of juicy. They've only got to win three coin flips. Well, that's 8-1, to one, right? But you might say, well, it's not a coin flip because they're the underdog. Yeah, but history says maybe it's closer to a coin flip when you've got a big favorite versus a big underdog than people think.
4: I'm. Uh, I think if you're looking for an underdog, the team that would that would jump out to me, and I know uh, Carlos Carrasco hasn't been nearly as good uh, recently as he was early in the season, but I would think the Indians. You look at how much they've been in the postseason. You look at some of their starting pitching, some of their weapons. Like that seems to be the team, and they don't have to go. They're going to avoid either the Yankees or the Red Sox in order. To, you know, if they can, if they can get past the Astros. Astros obviously dynamic, but. Uh, you know, and they have, they
12: have Justin Berlander. I think the Indians might be the smart buy. I, here's why instinctually I, d- I don't disagree. It's because we got so many of the premium teams. If you say, who are the most popular teams in baseball other than the Cubs, right? Put them on the list for sure. Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers. The fact that those are three of the four favorites to win it is, t- I mean, are the Yankees really better than the Indians? But the Yankees uh, I don't are think they are.
4: I don't I don't think so. I think the Astros and the Indians are both better than the Yankees because yeah, they're starting so, pitching.
12: Yeah, in, in in general, and this is what I call the McCarran airport test. Ooh. Go, go sit at McCarran for an hour. Okay. There's no local team here, right? Raiders are coming. But you can look at pretty much any sport other than hockey now and say, how many jerseys do you see? And you're gonna see a lot of Yankees, a lot of Red Sox, a lot of Dodgers, not a lot of Indians. That's probably a good sign that the teams that you see all those jerseys are getting bat by the fans, whereas the Indians just have less fans.
4: All right, 10 points for the uh, the Patriots are, are laying 10 tonight. Uh, T.Y. Hilton not going to play. He ruled out one of one of six Colts that's ruled out. They have no running game. They admitted it. They threw the ball 62 times last time around. And the Patriots are coming up on health. Now, I, Gronk is going to give it a, try and give it a go, but they also get Edelman back This is coming up their best performance of the year. That's a big number, but it's also uh, Vegas sitting there telling you, hey, we like home teams, and we think the Patriots are far better than the Colts.
12: I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit, Doug. We were just getting ready for our show, and our producer's name's Lauren. Do you know Lauren? I do. Okay. And I gave him a trend in this game that was so good. It was like, oh, my, geez, I haven't heard that. And Lauren says, "Don't give that to Doug. Do not save that for our show." I said, "No, Doug's been so good to me. I'm going to give it to you. So uh, I want you to know." Oh, uh, listen, a lot of internal strife
4: here. Yeah, you Vegas guys are amazing. But go you're ahead. Ready? Here it is.
12: Yes, I'm going to give you something no one else gets just on your <laughs> radio show. You're going to say, uh, "You're going to say, RJ, you did not oversell that." Here it comes. If you have a team that played an overtime game, all right, Colts did, and then they play on the road on Thursday. Two and eighteen against the spread. Twenty times it's happened last thirty years. Two winners, eighteen losers. Hmm. Wow. Uh huh. <laughs> That's crazy. It is, but here's the catch: twenty-two. Yes. This line opened at seven and a half, and it's, it not jetted up. Do you think it jetted up because of T.Y. Hilton and the other injuries, or why did it? Yeah, jet up I mean Hilton. You know, some crazy people might say he's worth a point or so. I mean, he's worth a half at most. But the fact of the matter is that that yeah that's going to have a little effect and little, and McCarran, little McCarran
4: airport test here too as well right
12: yeah and but listen the pats are one of those teams people love to hate like duke so you do get people that bet against them cuz they want to feel a little bit a part of their losses that's a weird phenomenon so if anything this is a great story about the pat or a fact about the pats if you go back to 2003 and bet every nfl team blind there's only 5 of them that you would have won money on. All right. Four of them were all below 55%. So above the break even, but 55% or below. And the Patriots are 60% yeah, against the spread. So even though they've been a super premium team during all that time, as in very popular, they've still overperformed the patch. So what I would say is this at the seven and a half, I could go back in time, I'd make a big bet on the patch, obviously. But at 10 and a half, I think the value's gone. But it's hard to take the Colts. When that's bucking a 2-18 and 18 trend. Yeah, 2-18 and 18 trend is a big one. It is a good number. You did not oversell it uh, to
4: Lauren, <laughs> and you d- it was better, though, that you gave it to me. Um, <laughs> the Ravens defensive coordinator has compared Baker Mayfield to Brett Favre and John Elway. Uh, the Ravens come in off of a really, really good performance, taking on the Browns, who turned the ball over a bunch against the Raiders and lost in Oakland. What do you
12: like? Well, I would lean towards the Ravens here, and I'm probably a little on the square side. This is personally because just guys just hate lane road favorites. I think rightfully so, especially off a big win. But I think the Ravens might, you know, listen, Collins got him number two. We don't think that's the case in Vegas. But the more I dig in, I'm not sure he's that far off. The entire season, the Ravens have allowed nine points in the second half. That's eight quarters of play. Nine points. In an NFL that apparently defense doesn't matter anymore. Now they get Jimmy Smith back. And if you look at the Browns, plus seven in turnovers, net turnover margin, that's the best in the NFL. And we know there's a big element of luck in that, but turnovers mean so much. Last thing, Ravens are 11-5 and straight up against rookie quarterbacks under Harbaugh, 19 interceptions in those 16 games. A complex defense, oftentimes rookies struggle against it. So a lot of wannabe wise guys are going to be on the Browns. I'm going to probably pass it because I think the Ravens are still a little underrated. The, the Kansas City Chiefs
4: are coming off Monday night football. They come from behind win in the altitude of Denver and they return home. They've only played one home game so far this year. They take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who are three and one. Of course, we remember when they dominated the uh, dominated the Patriots, the loss to the, to the Titans doesn't seem like a bad loss anymore. Uh, but Kansas City, you'd think, is better at home. But they also have the short week. Three-point favorite, short week. What do you think of Kansas City-Jacksonville?
12: I'm also in a contrary position from most of the professionals on this one. This is a classic. Everyone's excited about Kansas City. Oh, they're going to be overrated. Jacksonville is a no-nonsense, not-football-sexy team. So, But let me ask you a question. What do we really know about the Pats? I know they looked good last week. But I know that the Jags dominated them, and that's really the only game Jacksonville looked really good this year, really good. And also Detroit only looked good in one game, and it was against the Pats. So it's, it, I'm not saying the Pats are bad. I'm saying it's a weird situation where I don't quite know how good Jacksonville is. Their left tackle was out. Lack of playmakers. Fournette's out this game. Let him Fournette, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I also know Bortles is 17 and 18 at home, so almost break even. He's 9 and 25 straight up on the road. So, yeah, they're getting three. But now, all that said, the money in the last 24 hours has come in on Jacksonville. It was Chiefs three, but you had to lay a lot of juice. Now it's down to three, about even money. So, I think more pros are going to be on the Jags. I actually lean towards Kansas City. Raiders and Chargers. Chargers technically at home, but it's in Carson, which is more
4: home for Raiders fans. Chargers are five-point favorites. Just the Raiders coming off their first win of the
12: season. Yeah, this was the biggest disagreement on our podcast yesterday. We actually have a new fun thing. We have a green button. You can press it, and it's an automatic bet. You can fade anyone's picks. And this one we had, and again, it's for fun in a way, but it adds up. We have 700 smacks. Uh, 700 bucks on this one. Everyone likes the Chargers, or check, the Raiders here. Because they say, oh, this is such an underdog series. And it is. Raiders against the Chargers. The underdog has covered 14 of 17 tight games. But let me ask you a question. Chargers are the home team. I get the whole story about the Raiders fans and all that. But how much better do you think the Chargers are than the Raiders? Because the line's only five. I think they're a lot better than the
4: Raiders. I, just, I do, I not too. Know I, but... Um, and, you know, they, they, they left points on the field last week with the kicker. We'll see if the kicking. I mean, they missed two extra points last week, and they decided to keep the kicker and get rid of the holder, who's the punter, Kayser. So we'll see if that fixes that. But that's, that's it's amazing. I think they're much better, but they also are a team that consistently leaves points on the field. Yeah, I
12: agree. I don't, I came in the season saying the Chargers are way overrated. They've lost two games to the two, two best, best teams, teams in the, the NFL. Yeah. So if you are and, and they're two, doing it without Bosa, they're doing it without Bosa. Um, and here's here's my last question, quickly on this: Are the Raiders sensing momentum off that win last week, or is it a sense of relief? Yes, I was relief. It's the second part. Good point. That's what I think. And so a lot of people, and I'm not going to call them not sharp, a lot of people like the Raiders. I like the Chargers. Hmm. Um, you with me on you know Denver's a
4: team that I feel like the Jets are a really smart pick this week. Denver gave away they got a. The first time in 66 games, 65-game um, win streak when they had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter at home. Short week, go to uh, New York, take on the Jets. And, uh, you know, Denver got – they got three of the first four at home. Look how they looked down the road. Is it crazy to take the Jets in a, in a pick them?
12: No, I like the Jets here, but I don't love them. And I'll tell you why I like them, and then I'll have one caveat. So Jets are favored uh, by one or pick em. You're right. Broncos off Monday Night Football – but they're not good on the road at all. Last 11 games on the road, 1-10 straight up, 1-10 against the spread. They're very good at home typically early in the year. In fact, the first two weeks of the season when Denver plays at home, last 30 years, they're 33-3 and 3 straight up. This year they had two home games, week one and two. They had a coin flip, if, if not worse, against Seattle, but they still won. They had a coin flip, if not worse, against Oakland and Denver still won. So they have two wins that were pretty shaky. Then they were dominated by Baltimore, and then they played an all-win-type game on Monday night. Now they're on the road. It just seems like an overrated team in a bad spot. But here's why I can't bet the Jets. They were plus three in turnovers last year. Or, excuse me, check that, last week. Plus three in turnovers against the Jags. Now, there's been about a 1,000 of those teams the last 30 years of the NFL. 90% win the game. Jets lost the game. But... The Jets are the first team in 30 years to be plus three and lose a game by more than 18 points. So you can make a case, out of a 1,000 teams that were plus three in turnovers, they had the worst performance. So maybe this Jets team is much worse than we thought, and we're only remembering that Monday night game against Detroit. Take that away, Jets might be the worst team in football.
4: Great stuff as always. R.J. Bell. Check him out with uh, Jonas Knox. After this show, straight out of Vegas. Thanks for joining us, RJ. Hey, thank you, Doug. At RJ in Vegas is the Twitter handle. Remember, he's the founder of pregame.com. Pregame.com, the exclusive odds provider for the Associated Press. Straight out of Vegas is Monday through Friday. 3 o'clock Pacific Coast time, 6 o'clock East Coast time. Just keep it right here at Fox Sports Radio. It gets you set for all the night's games. And by the way, I I shouldn't mention, Jonas is filled in on this show. He does a great, great job. That's a good show. That's a good listen. Let's get you to Dan Byer. Got his own fantasy show every Sunday
7: here on Fox Sports Radio. Dan, what do you got? Scoreless right now between the Rockies and Brewers in the second inning in game one of the NLDS. Milwaukee did have a scoring opportunity kind of. Ryan Braun tried to score from second base on a wild pitch courtesy of Antonio Sensatella and was thrown out at the plate scoreless between the Rockies and Brewers top of two in Milwaukee.
4: Yeah, it was a weird slide by Ryan Braun. He didn't, he kind of tried to avoid it, but only with his legs, not the head first variety and got got tagged out at home.
7: Yeah, it looked like he may have also maybe injured himself. It was his left leg that kind of hyper, not hyper extended, but just took a interesting twist But Ryan Braun remains in the game for Milwaukee playing left field. No score between the Rocks and Brewers in their game one that you can see right now on Fox Sports 1. Now Tonight on the MLB Network, it's Braves and Dodgers in game one of their National League Divisional Series. Best of five there. Mike fulton takes on Hunjin Ryu. The Vegas Golden Knights take out the Philadelphia Flyers at 10 o'clock Eastern time tonight and the Discover Card key matchup. And Speaking of matchups, become a new card member and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match limitations apply week 5 of the NFL season starts tonight with the Colts and Patriots 7.30 Eastern time coverage begins on Fox Patriots tended Rob Gronkowski expected to play despite an ankle injury Panthers head Greg Olson has been out with a broken foot not going to play in week 5 but is targeting week 6 after practicing or being on the practice field with the team today Packers wide receivers Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison missed practice today they are likely to miss Sunday's game at Coming up against Detroit in Motown, Doug. You know
4: anybody whose wife's left him or they split up? You guys have, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you ever been been out with a guy and he's like, uh, like, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're talking again. We met for lunch the other day. I think she'll take me back. You're like, yeah, you were kind of a jerk, dude. You, you slept with the nanny. <laughs> like, I don't.
7: I don't think that's happening. I have not had that scenario. So I've had, you know, maybe a, a buddy going through a tough time with the wife, but not, not where if it was, you know, uh, you know, an indisc- indiscretion, if you will. Well, I mean, whether it's
4: indiscretion or not, I saw what Jason Garrett said in this conference call with Houston reporters when they asked if he was interested in bringing Dez Bryant back, and he said, "We think the world of Dez. He was great. He was a great player. We have a very close relationship with him, but we're really focused on the guys we have on our team right now." I almost feel like that's the Dez Bryant is. De- by Des Bryant saying, I'd, I'd still like to play in Dallas. That's the the married guy, go the the ex-married guy going, man, I, you know, listen, I, I, I still really want to be married to her. And she's like, well, we're kind of focused on our relationship now. It's kind of over, you know, and he's convinced himself that the, if he just watches Cowboys games and now says all the right things that we'll totally forget about calling Sean Lee a snake. And calling out Jason Garrett's offense, and calling out other members of the front office. He like, didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. I, yeah, I was yeah. just mad at yeah. the yeah. time. I'm not mad yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I deleted the tweet. That means it's over, right? Like, yeah, that's not really the way it works. It's not the way it works at all. And Jason Garrett saying Jason Garrett uh, tense does matter. And I know that a lot of times athletes struggles struggles athletes struggle with the use of tense, as I struggle with with the with plural plurality. Um, they struggle with tense. We was like, no, we are or we are not. What we are going to do or what we used to do or whatever. Not we was. But I don't think Jason Garrett struggles with tense. Didn't, didn't Jason Garrett? He's an Ivy League guy, Any he? Where do he play in college? Is he a Dartmouth guy too? Princeton, I thought. Princeton, Princeton. Jason Garrett, we think the world of Dez. He was a great player. Jason Garrett's not a we-was we, we was guy. He doesn't struggle with tense. He knows exactly what he's saying when he's saying it. And when Jason Garrett says, Des, Des Bryant was a great player, and we have a very close relationship, like, we're still friends. He's not a great player anymore. We're not interested. Des needs a friend to pull him aside and go, look, dude, I don't know how to tell you this. Hey, okay? She moved on. Like, really moved on. You blew it. Like you both kind of took each other for granted, but you blew it. She moved on. It's over. How do I know? Yeah, I'm the new guy. No, uh, I mean there's a million different ways you could point gently say, just trust me on this. Well, who is it? Well, who's it? It doesn't matter. The bad point is she has moved on. It is over. And Des just does not clearly does not have a type of relationship with somebody he respects that has said that to him because otherwise he wouldn't mention the Cowboys. He would talk about the Cowboys in past tense, the way that Jason Garrett is talking about Des Bryant in past tense. How do you prepare for a home game when the home games are basically road games? I'll explain next. Coming up Friday in the Doug Gottlieb show five for five, five picks in college, five picks in pros. We are going to try and make you money and take no blame. If you lose some of that money, plus We'll talk some Major League Baseball playoffs and OU Texas, the Red River Rivalry. That among the big college football games of discussion, only on the Doug Gottlieb Show, only on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Previously on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Check
3: this out.
4: Brandon Cooks joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What about Jared Goff has impressed you? His
10: composure. I mean, the guy plays with such a quiet mind and confidence. You know, he can make every throw.
4: And it's been
10: special to watch uh, playing with him. Uh, you know, all he does is just get better day in and day out.
4: What do you think you guys have to do to continue to improve?
10: Uh, you know, it's one of those things. I think we just continue to focus on ourselves. It's not about the opponents; about what we do. Um, when you have great teams, you know, great teams don't beat themselves. So as long as we continue to focus on what we got in the task at hand, and let the outside noise be the outside noise, I think we'll be just fine.
4: Yeah, but I mean, there's got to be something, something to work on other than, uh, other than kind of all the just take care of ourselves, like. Anything specific that you watch on film? You're like, man, this has we got to do this better because I've been to a Super Bowl. I know what it takes.
10: Well, if it was, I definitely wouldn't be sharing that for guys <laughs> here. So we'll keep that in out. <laughs> uh,
4: f- fair, fair enough. What's McVay really like?
10: I think what you see is what you get. A guy that's uh, very energized, come to work every day, um, you know, with an excited mind. Uh, he's very special. A very special coach. Um, you know, he, I like to think that he's another player out there on how hype he gets. Uh, with the team, you know, throughout practice and on game day. If you
5: missed anything from the Doug Gottlieb Show, you can always podcast by going to foxsportsradio.com. Now, once again, here's Doug Gottlieb.
4: Thanks to my man Vito for setting those up. Download the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast or download the All Ball, All Basketball podcast. Uh, I think you will enjoy this week's Immensely, immensely. Let's get you to the press.
5: The press.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Texas, a highlight game. Um, not a ton. LSU, Florida, big one this weekend.
5: Don't buy it.
4: Florida State, Miami, you thought to start the year would be big, but Florida State, yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought that Kentucky would? would be 5-0 headed into AM. What do you got, Dan? <laughs> I,
7: I can't believe it I, I can't believe that the Cotton Bowl is going to be busy this weekend for OU Texas. Yep. It's Yeah, no, time does fly. It does, especially during football season. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some football issues. Good news, Doug, for the Atlanta Falcons. Running back Devontae Freeman expected to return from his knee injury and play Sunday against the Steelers. While Bengals running back Joe Mixon was on the practice field today for the second straight day. They've got the Dolphins on Sunday and it looks like Mixon's going to play, but Alex Collins... Missing practice with a knee injury. Mm. The Ravens back may miss their game against the Browns Mm. on Sunday. The Ravens Mm. have been
4: playing such good football. The Browns come in licking their wounds of the loss to
7: Oakland. Turnovers derail them. Super Bowl odds, according to Bovada, have changed, but not necessarily with the order of the favorite. The Rams, still the favorite. It was a week ago they were 9-2 to two favorites to win Super Bowl 53. Bovada now says 10-3 to three for the Rams to win, followed by the Patriots, Chiefs, Jaguars, and Saints, who all saw their odds, I guess, decrease, if you will, to win huh. a Super Bowl. Um,
4: wait, wait. Is it 10-3? No, I, I think they 10-3 increased. Three increased. Made it tougher odds, less likely for that that they're mm-hmm. winning. More likely that they
7: are winning. 10 to nine, to they were nine to two. Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: No, no, no. Not, well, nine, yeah, nine yeah, to two, is would four th- and a half to one, and this yep. is now three and a third to one.
7: Yes. 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 So it increased their odds. The Eagles had their odds decreased from eleven to one to sixteen to one. But uh, the Rams are the favorite, followed by the Patriots, Chiefs, and Jaguars for the odds. What's the, most the interesting
4: is we walked into okay. the season thinking the NFC was the loaded. Was a loaded conference, right? NFC has all the teams, and the Patriots, are like, yeah, there's just nobody else in the AFC. Now you look at the Chiefs, who are undefeated. You look at the Patriots. You mentioned the Jaguars. Uh, we've talked about the Chargers, although they're two and two, still not playing up to their capabilities. Uh, they're you know, you look at. I don't think anybody. The Titans, obviously, surprised, but you still think the Jaguars because of their depth on defense. Nobody else in the AFC East. Um and AFC, who's the AFC North? And then the, the Ravens, Ravens not Bengals. mentioned. Like, yeah, yeah,
7: the AFC might actually be the better one. Roger that. The AFC West, of course, has those Chiefs that you mentioned and those Chargers, and those Chargers are home to the Raiders coming up on Sunday at Stub La La Hub La La Center in Carson. Uh, no, it's in Carson. Not in La La Land, you idiot. It's in Carson. The uh, Athletic reports the Chargers are pumping in crowd noise for that game, and they're the home team. Yes, for Sunday, Chargers well, practicing here, with crowd noise. Here's what
4: here's what happened. Uh, most of the guys last year who played in the Chargers, they started out 0-4, and remember the Chiefs came in last year, some other team, Redskins came in, I think, last year, and they had huge home, home fan bases. By the time they played the Raiders, the Raiders were done. Raiders were done. So there was a, still a big Raider fan base, but it, it wasn't. And they had a bunch of new guys, and I think a lot of them were surprised by the crowd noise for the Niners. There was a, people forget the Niners essentially moved. Like they're in they're they're, forty five minutes to an hour from San Francisco, um, probably a half hour forty minutes further than they used to be in Candlestick at their new stadium, and so there's some expatriate Niner fans who are living in Los Angeles who went to the game, but the, I, they they thought that a lot of their newer players weren't used to the crowd noise, and then with the Raiders coming off a win early in the season, Gruden. And let's just be honest, Charger fans stay away. They used to stay away in San Diego as well. Raider fans have a terrible reputation, and Charger fans don't want to deal with it. They'll watch it on TV. That stadium will be at least 80, if not 90% Raider fans.
7: Why? Uh, Because there's a lot of Raider fans in L.A. The other point is... There's a lot of Raider
4: fans in L.A., but there's also a lot of football fans who are like, I'm not going to a game in which the Raider fans are there.
7: Yeah, security is uh, practicing breaking up fights this week in preparation for their uh, matchup. No, Charles Barkley, it's not. The uh, Carolina Panthers, home to the Giants this Sunday, Doug. And during pregame introductions, the Panthers will announce their... Special teams units, yes. No Luke keekley running out of the tunnel. No Cam Newton. Instead, yeah. you're going to get the Panthers' special teams units as they honor the uh, the third phase of the game on Sunday. Here's yeah, the thing. Here's mistakes. the thing with football. Football guys
4: want to be introduced like basketball players, tear off their sweats. just not. Yep. It's never had the
7: same feel. I I I, I hate the Patriots for ruining that in Super Bowl they 36.
4: Did. Super Bowl 36 against the Rams. Rams, the greatest show on turf. Get introduced. And the Patriots have. And now they're doing the Patriots and they all just all ran
7: yeah, out. Yeah, they choose to run out as a team. Pat Summerall had the announcer. I think that was. Uh, Good. They have their Pat last Summerall. name. No, Damn, thank them folks. Thank you very much. I, I like the individual uh, player introductions. I actually missed that from the Super Bowl. Uh, Doug, as the college basketball corruption scandal court case continues, Brian Bowen Sr. testifying today that his son received these offers from schools through agent Christian Dawkins. This has all been documented by Dan Wetzel of Yahoo, who's great and who is following this court case. Bowen Sr. said that they were offered $50,000 from Arizona $150,000 $150,000 plus $8,000 for a car from Oklahoma State. Texas offered help with housing. Creighton offered them $100,000 for his player. And then there was this one. The Creighton
4: one's the one, what? Yeah, And
7: right. then te- Texas basically saying, like, yeah, we'll help you out with the housing. Like, We're not cheating for you. <laughs> uh, Dawkins apparently told Brian Bowen Sr. that an original offer of sixty to 80000 uh went from sixty to 80000 uh, from Adidas to attend Louisville increased to 100,000 because that's how much Billy Preston got to go to Kansas. So Louisville was going to offer 60 to 80 grand. They heard how much Preston was getting to go to Kansas. So then they upped the offer to hundred thousand. Yeah. The,
4: the question becomes, you know, this is, Hey, this guy, this is what he told me. Is there a, not what you know? It's what you can prove. But True. if any of this is proved, uh, it could all be, be going down.
7: And finally, Doug, eighteen thousand fans will be at the sold-out FedEx Forum in Memphis tonight as Memphis Madness takes place, featuring Justin Timberlake and Drake. No, not a concert. It's the beginning of the Penny Hardaway era as the Memphis college basketball season gets underway. Yeah, I, I didn't
4: oh, like. I, I didn't like how Tubby was treated, but I do like the idea of Penny Hardaway and Mike Miller teaming up to try and make Memphis into a great program again. Hey, get out there and press. That
9: was the press. Who wins tonight?
4: Ryan Music. The uh, let's let's. The line is very much a factor. Ten point favorites doing the Patriots. Who do you got?
9: Am I picking against the spread? Yes. Uh, I will go with the Patriots.
4: Patriots and the ten points. Ramos.
9: I'll take the Colts. Dan Byer. Yeah, Colts with all those points.
4: I'm going to take the Patriots with all those points. Ah. Road, road game.
9: What? what? <laughs> now I'm going to get it wrong. How'd I do last night? No, I'm kidding. You got it right.
4: How'd I do the night before?
9: I don't remember. Okay.
4: I missed by a half point on Monday Night Football. <laughs> half point. You're fading all my picks. Doug Gottlieb show. We'll pick them all
1: tomorrow. Fox Sports Radio.